0: Bankside
1: Arts Collective proudly presents the Bankside Repertory Theatre production of Jeff Calloway's A Dickens of a Tale. This audio performance is an adaptation of the play which was originally performed at the Jacoby Arts Center in Alton, Illinois in 2015. If you like what you hear, we'd be very grateful if you would take a moment to rate and review us so that others can find their way to the work. We also encourage you to subscribe Bankside Arts Collective will be producing more audio drama, as well as a variety of additional programs related to the visual and performing arts. Links to our website and other bonus information can be found in the show notes. But for now, grab a spot of tea, a warm blanket by the fire, sit back, relax, and enjoy A Dickens of a Tale.
2: Our story opens in the public salon of Burnham & Berry Limited, Undertakers. It is a well-appointed room in the somber tones of a funeral home of Victorian England. Center stage features a podium where the speakers stand to offer their memories of Ebenezer Scrooge, the recently dear departed whose painting stands on an easel decorated with a tasteful wreath and a velvet ribbon. The salon appears empty, but we hear the ghost of Jacob Marley entering through the salon, dragging his long, awkward chain and mumbling discontentedly. The service has not yet started. Marley is in the clothes he wore in life. A little worse for the wear. His face is a fright and his hair stands on end from all the heat in the underworld.
3: Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Funny expression, that. Imagine his surprise if a carpenter ever picked up a live doornail. It's a wonder they even use that simile nowadays. And would a living doornail be suitable to the purpose, even? I shouldn't think so. <laughs> I suppose you could say that twas I that started the ball rolling with old Scrooge, lo, those many Christmases ago. I, being dead, as was aforementioned, was given a brief furlough from hell to come back and warn Scrooge about the eternal consequences of his current behaviour. I was half hoping that Ebenezer would be down soon to join me in my agony, him being a compte for greater sins than mine. We could pick up where we left off. Scrooge and Marley, come visit us in our new location, Hell, (laughs) borrow funds at diabolical rates, (laughs) That, that sort of thing. On Earth, we were partners in one of the most successful usury businesses in Greater London, and experimental adventurers in the loan sharking trade. I was beginning to miss the old bugger. It had been, after all. Seven years that I had predeceased him. To the day, don't you know? Hell of an exit from Earth, eh? Kicking the bucket on Christmas Eve. I don't believe in poetic karma justice, but dying on Christmas Eve has a most pathetic quality to it. And it was no consolation that my wife died the same night. Sent straight to purgatory together, cheek by jowl, as it were. Both of us are convinced it was the salmon moose we had for dinner. (laughs) I was going to have the pâté, but no, she said. Anyway, a reprieve from hell is a reprieve from hell. So I took the opportunity and came back up here to let him know that higher powers had arranged for him to be visited by three ghosts. Christmas is past, present, and future. If... After hearing their commentary on his miserable life on earth, he decided not to redeem his blessings and live a life of Christian charity and service. Then he'd be welcome to join me in our nice little hovel that I share with the missus on the fourth level of the inferno. I had intended to give it a fair go, warning him that his chain of misdeeds was already three times longer and heavier than mine and he wasn't even dead yet. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I scared the stuffing out of him. Appearing suddenly in his bedroom on Christmas Eve and playing up the whole scary ghost bit. It was as much fun as I've had in years. Scrooge! Rattle, rattle, clink with the chains, a bone-chilling screamer! moaning Ebenezer! Scrooge! Knocking books off the shelf, blowing up the bed curtains. He was falling all over himself like a cat trying to get out of a bathtub, he was. (laughs) really put the wind up him and set the table for the three ghosts. But I never expected him to embrace a full conversion. None of us did. I mean, we're talking about a 19th century upper middle class English businessman and type A pain in the arse. Odds are against it, eh? Who would have thought it? I mean... I even left his bedchamber with the whole, Ooh, screwed, repent, 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 doing my best rendition from Hamlet. You know, swear, swear, swear. Because I was so sure he'd bah humbug me and carry on being mean and miserable. I even put a welcome home Ebenezer sign on the front door of a hell hovel. I was so sure he'd be down to join me. It just goes to show you can never tell with folks. People can surprise you. Even the most miserable of them can show a heart of pure gold and turn everything around like that short little fellow from the gospel. What was his name? Uh, Oh, uh, Zacchaeus. Thieving tax collector who had a change of heart and gave everyone he cheated four times the amount he stole from them. Never saw that coming with old Scrooge. He's the kind that made change from the offering plate at church when he'd bother to go. Couldn't part with a shilling if a gun was to his head. Just like me, my partner was. And worse, he took the job to a whole new level that I never foresaw. That's why the conversion was so shocking. He was so deep in the river there was no swimming out. Avarice, wrath, envy, pride... And chiefly pride. Lots of pride. And they say that pride is the worst of the seven deadly sins. The only ones he didn't go for much were gluttony, sloth and lust. Although he may be guilty of the last one before I knew him, I don't know, you'd have to ask Bell. <laughs> no, I never knew what drove him. Nor he me. Nor do I know why he got the signal flare about repentance. Why not me? I wasn't as far gone as him, but did I get a warning from the three ghosts? Hell no. I mean, really, what is so damned special about Ebenezer Scrooge? He never married, no kids, practically useless to society in every meaningful way. Why? Him. We were partners for years and pushed every legal parameter we could to build up our profits. What did it get us? I mean, me. Scrooge slipped the noose, apparently. Am I happy now that I cut and sliced my way to a place where material wealth does me no good? No. Did I learn what being a Christian really means in practice? Yes, but far too late to help me now. I'd almost be gratified with the knowledge that my wife, who is and was worse than I, also ended up in hell, if it weren't for the fact that that I have to keep on living with the nagging old bat. No one... No one does punishment like Satan. Bastard. He really gets you where you live. So, my whole part in this story boils down to this. You'd better watch out. You don't want to fry. You don't need to doubt, because I'm telling you why. Someone's on the upside looking down. Consider yourselves warned. If you are a money-grubbing, miserly sociopath like Scrooge and me, turn it around now. Or look forward to spending eternity housed with all of your ex-spouses and employers. At least the hell-bound ones. Have I scared you yet? No? I can be scary. Boo. No, I know what's going to scare you. You can hear me, right? Right. Well, that means you can pretty much bet on being visited by three more spirits after you go to bed tonight. <laughs> now that should scare you. No? Really? You're probably You're all such model citizens that the spirits will arrive, show you what a wonderful life you have lived, and the next stop is heaven. Wonderful life, heaven. Give me a moment. No, no, it's all right. I've said my bit. Don't pity poor old Jacob Marley. He got what he deserved. No memorial service for him, no. No Christmas books from Charles Dickens or witty plays. Just back to hell with a ball and chain
0: good evening ladies and gentlemen thank you for attending this most solemn yet joyous occasion as we remember the spirit and celebrate the life of mr ebenezer scrooge financier philanthropist and beloved uncle at this time allow me to introduce mr fred mr scrooge's nephew and the master of ceremonies for the evening we hope you will take comfort from the remarks of his family friends and associates and we encourage you to make yourselves at home here at the sumptuous establishment of Burnham and Barry. Refreshments and conveniences are down the hall in the main parlour. Mr. Fred, if you please.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Burnham. We are indebted to you for such fine and tasteful decorations and to Mrs. Fezziwig for the lovely catered buffet in the parlour. Well, family always wins through in the end. Also, they say, maybe it doesn't now that I think of it, but in my case it did, eventually. Ebenezer Scrooge was my uncle, God rest his soul now. He was my mother's brother and never had children of his own, but also never seemed interested in our family's affairs in any significant way. Four times a year, especially at Christmas, I would do my duty as a nephew and make, as my wife would say, the voyage of futility to uncle's office, to invite him to holiday dinners. New Year's, Easter, Midsummer's Eve, Christmas, it made no difference to Ebenezer Scrooge. He wasn't having any of it. And to tell you the truth, I started to become glad of his refusals. Who would want a sour, socially inept old geezer moping around and sucking all the joy out of the room? Still, I always held out hope that the Lord and crushing loneliness— "'would do the work of the ages and change his mind. Ten years ago it changed. "'No one was prepared for it, least of all him. "'He caught us totally by surprise, I must say. "'I had done my usual duty on Christmas Eve "'calling on him at his business. "'Never had I dared to stop by his home "'to be told "Bah, humbug whilst I stood on his steps.' chatted for a bit, him bashing the whole Christmas tradition, me holding the high ground with as much grace as I could muster. And I left Scrooge and Marley's as I always did, Christmas dinner invitation offered, Christmas dinner invitation chewed and spat back at me for my trouble. If I had dared, I would have invited his long-suffering clerk, Bob Cratchit, and his family to dinner as well, but I was not certain that Bob would ever dare to accept an invitation, with Uncle Ebenezer looming over him, snorting disdain from both nostrils. My wife jumped three feet and landed side saddle on a chair when Uncle suddenly stuck his head around our dining room door on Christmas Day, unannounced, and barked, Fred! I had my back to the door or I would have landed in my wife's lap. When I turned round, there he was, dressed to the nines, looking like some earl that had just come from Whitehall. "'Why, bless my soul,' I said, trying to get my breath back. "'Who's that?' "'It is I, your Uncle Scrooge,' he said, with a heartbreaking mix of sorrow and joy, joined to an air of humility that I never suspected he would be capable of. "'I have come to dinner. Will you let me in, Fred?' "'Let him in?' Why, it's a wonder I didn't shake his arm right off his elbow. We had only just started to enjoy some hors d'oeuvres when Topper and all the rest of them arrived. After a moment shock to all, they embraced Uncle and drank many a toast to him for a long overdue visit. Topper drank a few too many toasts and uh, had to be eased under the settee. It was well nigh on midnight when Uncle Ebenezer finally took his leave he said that he had to be sure to get enough sleep because he had a busy day at the office on the morrow and a special surprise for Bob Cratchit. Now, if I hadn't just seen him make merry with my household and friends and seen him at the centre of the games and songs, I would have worried for old Bob. But there was a gleam in Uncle's eye that told me that all would be well and that perhaps... This was more than a brief holiday from his usual misery and complaint. He never said what had caused the change of heart, but for my money, I wouldn't care if a whole host of demons visited him in the small hours of the night and scared him right back to humanity. Serve him right, it would, and I mean that literally. Whatever it was that made him human again, I thank heaven for it, for he was the cheeriest, liveliest, and most magnanimous gent you would ever chance to meet from that day on, this side of being fitted for a straitjacket. Now what actually happened when he called on the Cratchits, Bob, his clerk, the whole household? Well, he gave them quite a shock as well. But I won't tell that story. We are honored to have Mr. Cratchit here tonight, and I think it would be best if Bob told that story and shared a few memories of Uncle Scrooge. Would you grace us with your remembrances, dear sir?
5: (laughs) Now don't you bestir yourself, Bob, my dear. It's no shame to weep over the loss of Mr. Ebenezer. We'll all look like a waterworks when this service is done and dusted. Mark my words. You can say a few words later when you've composed yourself. You just sit there and I'll do the talking for the both of us. What's new, (laughs) eh? Why, thank you, Mr. Fred. Though it is a sad occasion. We are very pleased to remember Mr. Scrooge with you and the family. I should say I am pleased to remember Mr. Scrooge as he became. Not as he was when we first knew him, sorry to say. But there you are. It was a blessed change, if ever there was one. Bob's done so well for himself, and for us. I wasn't thinking so at first when he started clerking for Scrooge and Marley, but it all turned out well in the end, don't you know? Thank heavens! It was touch and go there for a while. Might have been the end of the whole Cratchit line. Well, at least his coat of arms... We'd have had to sell those off long ago just to keep body and soul together. That's a bit of a joke. Robert Cratchit and his family never had a coat of arms. We were lucky to have a coat over our arms. (laughs) That's another joke. Oh, Oh, I shouldn't be laughing, though. Not so soon after Mr. Scrooge's passing. Lovely man. And you know... Ten years ago, I would have been shocked to hear myself say that. It's so difficult to make ends meet these days. I was just saying that to the kids years ago before the blessed day. Mummy, they were saying. Mummy, these sausages taste funny. They're like real sausages in the middle, but they taste like old breadcrumbs on the ends. Well, darlings, I says. These are hard times for your father and me. These days, it's hard to make both ends meet. (laughs) It took them a while, but eventually they got it. (laughs) I can't seem to help myself. Must smack of ingratitude, now, Laughing like a hyena here, not three days after Mr. Scrooge's funeral. But you want to know something? I'll be glad to tell you. Perhaps Uncle Ebenezer wouldn't have it any other way. Joy was the thing for him. Laughter, bonhomie, all of that. If he could have, he would have told jokes at his own funeral or danced a jig. And yes, that's right, you clever customers that heard me just now. I did say Uncle Ebenezer because he insisted that we call him that the day he doubled Bob's salary and took such a great interest in our family. I was concerned at first. Ebenezer Scrooge was the type to invite you over for dinner, and then cook you for the dinner rather than play the charming host. I never liked him. I told Bob so. But Bob is a saint. Saint Bob. Somehow, he has unconditional love for everyone, even the monsters, It's unconditional love what has got us through. Sickly kids, long work hours for low wages, cramped living conditions. It's all enough to drive a normal family around the bend. But we loved our way through the leaky roof, the leftover food, the dog pile into the beds at night in the single bedroom. And we always found some comfort and humour. Aye, humour in finding a way to keep calm and to carry on. We've been lucky, but for most of our early days as a family, we were struggling, as most others are like to do. The money Mr Scrooge and Mr Marley was paying didn't go so far when the kids started coming along. We were grateful to have two pennies to drop into an empty tea tin at the end of a month. I wasn't keen on Bob taking that job in the first place. Clarking at a counting house? Horse feathers! Bob could have done much better. He's always been dead clever with figures, and such an accommodating man. Too accommodating sometimes, but you won't hear complaints about him from me. Sweet as pie, and really loves the children. However, Scrooge and Marley's was where he landed, God bless him. Marley was the worst, by the way. It was no wonder the devil took him first. Although, actually, now that I think about it, it was hard to tell. Maybe Mr. Jacob was always so flamboyant that it covered up how mean Mr. Ebenezer really was. Marley was in-your-face evil. Scrooge was lurking evil. The two of them together ran off every decent clerk they ever had until Bob came along. And when Mr. Jacob died in agony from that awful food poisoning, did Mr. Ebenezer recognise Bob's gifts and implore him to become the next partner in the firm? No. He just let Marley's chair sit empty and took the profit shares all for himself. I blush to say it, but in my weaker moments, I suggested that Bob sneak home an extra lump of coal or two from work. "'But he wouldn't hear of it, thank goodness. "'St. Bob. "'Besides,' he said, "'he counts them, he does. "'He'd miss one if I nicked a crumb "'and that would be the sack for me for sure. "'He what?' I said. "'The lumps of coal, he counts them, "'right down to the dust. "'He keeps the officers cold enough "'to store meat in them in winter, "'but he knows exactly how many lumps of coal "'are in the chute at any given time. "'If you hadn't knitted me my sweaters, my love... I would long ago have keeled over like a frozen cod right at my desk. Thanks. And then he kisses me. Honest Saint Bob. Well, it was the blessed day what changed all that. We call it that here in Castle Cratchit. It was the Christmas day ten years ago when Mr. Scrooge had his great epiphany or dance with the devil or whatever you call it. We were so grateful to have Bob home for Christmas Day that we weren't even minding the leftover porridge and the bean and barley soup and we'd been having for meals. It was good to be a family, warm, happy, and waiting impatiently to give the presents that we had made for each other. It had not been long after we returned from church that there was a knock at the door and a large man with a huge parcel asked if we were the Bob Cratchits. We all says Bob, and the man comes right into the house, brisk as you please. He puts the package in the kitchen and says, "Right, Well, that's all sorted then. Merry Christmas, all!' And he skips right back out the bleeping door and into a waiting cab before any of us can object. "'We tore open the parcel and found the biggest turkey "'that I'd ever laid eyes upon, "'much less purchased for a Christmas dinner feast.' It had come with all the trimmings, stuffin' and vegetables, sauce, mushrooms and spiced flour for the gravy. We barely got it into the cooker, dousing it with cooking wine and herbs. I can still remember how it smelled, and dear lord, the taste! That bird was the gift that kept on giving. <laughs> We ate for days on the turkey and leftovers from that delightful Christmas meal. We felt truly blessed, not even knowing who our benefactor could possibly be. You want to know about the power of redemption and repentance? That bird was the first of many recompenses from the new-made heart of Mr. E. Scrooge Esquire. We were thoroughly gobsmacked when we learnt who sent the turkey. And that memory is not at all diminished by the remembrance of the next day, Boxing Day, when Bob had to be at work bright and early. Oh dear, he cried, I'm late. I'll be behind my arrival time at work, and you just know Mr. Scrooge will be there with one eye on his pocket watch. I feel as if it's partially my fault, I said. I kept you up late last night, but wasn't it worth it? <laughs> He blushed, he did. I didn't know it was still possible, but there it was. Bob and I had given each other our Christmas... gifts. Late after the children had all finally settled down for the night. Anyways, Bob was late and was fully expecting to catch it from Mr. Scrooge. I said a quick prayer that he wouldn't be given his papers. Or if he got them, he'd soon be on to a better situation. "'That's the way one does at Christmas. "'You have to find the good, don't you? "'Here's what happened, though. "'Bob arrives late and tries to slip in behind the disc "'as quietly as you please. "'Hello!' growled Scrooge. "'What do you mean by coming here at this time of day?' "'I'm very sorry, sir,' says Bob. "'I'm behind my time.' "'You are?' repeats Scrooge. "'Yes, I think you are.' Step this way, sir, if you please. It's only once a year, sir, pleads Bob. It shall not be repeated, meaning being late, you know, not the other, you know. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir, which was as close to being cheeky as St. Bob ever got. (laughs) Now I'll tell you what, my friend, said Scrooge. I am not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, he bellows leaping from his stool and giving Bob such a dig in the waistcoat that he staggered back onto his desk. And therefore, I am about to raise your salary. Dear Bob had a hold of his ruler then and briefly considered knocking Scrooge down with it. "'and holding him until the jacket squad could come and collect him. "'Ha, ha, 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 Merry Christmas, Bob,' said Scrooge with an earnestness "'that could not be mistaken as he clapped him on the back. "'A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. "'I'll raise your salary and endeavour to assist your struggling family,' and we will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop, Bob. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as London ever knew. And of all people, all people mind, he knew how to keep Christmas well, as much as any man alive who possessed the knowledge I hope, I pray, that that may be truly said of all of us. The children. Oh, the children. Once they knew that Scrooge wasn't a dangerous madman, the children all grew to love him like a real uncle. And I like to think that Uncle Scrooge found a warm place in our home as a member of the family. He was especially dear to Tim. If it wasn't for Mr Scrooge taking an interest... Who knows what would have happened. Oh, dear me, I'm misting up in spite of myself. (laughs) Oh, my. Anyways, I hope you all enjoy your holidays. And I dearly, sincerely hope that you, everyone here tonight, gets thoroughly scrooged this Christmas. Just like we did ten years ago. Bye-bye. ta
2: The Ghost of Jacob Marley was played by John O'Hagan. Fred was played by Caleb King. Belle was played by Sue Ellen Coftree. Mrs. Dilber was played by Chrissy Calkins-Steele. Arthur Dodger, a.k.a. Turkey Boy, was played by Matthew Cox. Tiny Tim was played by Jack Dearborn, Mrs. Fezziwig, was played by Jeff Calloway. Mrs. Cratchit was played by Trish Brown. Mr. Burnham was played by Andrew Martin. Incidental music and other melodies were supplied by maestro Matthew Cox.
1: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of A Dickens of a Tale by Jeff Calloway, performed by Bankside Repertory Theatre. If you liked what you heard, we'd be very grateful if you would take a moment to rate and review us so that others can find their way to the work. We also encourage you to subscribe. We'll be producing more audio drama as well as a variety of additional programs related to the visual and performing arts. Links to our website and other bonus information can be found in the show notes. From all of us at Bankside Arts Collective, a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and yours.